0: Welcome to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. This show is designed for moms who invest everything into parenting, but get overwhelmed, lost, and resentful. Listen and learn how to unburden yourself. Feel calm, full of energy, and in control. I'm your host, Master Certified Life Coach, teacher, and recovering supermom, Tori Henderson. Listening to the Super Mom is Getting Tired podcast. I'm your host, Tori Henderson, and I have a special guest here with me today. I have Heidi Toy, Heidi Toy Functional Medicine. And she is here to join me in talking about why am I so tired? And is it just my hormones? So I'm super excited to have her here. She is a functional medicine practitioner. She's the owner of Heidi Toy Functional Medicine. She is a nutritional therapist, and she left her career as a project manager to gain her functional medicine certification because she herself was having some health issues. So welcome to the show, Heidi. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your story and why, where, why you got to where you are today.
1: Okay, hi, Tori. Thank you so much for having me. um and I'm excited today to be here with you and with your guests on the or your your listeners on the podcast. Hi, everybody. Just a bit about myself at the time when I was leading development of diagnostic ultrasound equipment, I was extremely exhausted and I had moved to New York City. I thought I was going to have the world by the tail. I was thinking I was going to be killing it. And that soon fizzled because I was debilitatingly exhausted and um, couldn't make it through the day without several naps. And then I hooked up with a functional medicine practitioner. And this was years ago before really anybody knew what functional medicine is. And some people still might not. And today, hopefully, we'll talk about that. So there's a little bit more broader understanding and how it can help you take back your energy. But nonetheless, I would hooked up with somebody and at, as I gained my health back, I had really championed my own health. She had asked me if I'd ever considered being what she was and I had, and I went back to school and now I am. So that's how I arrived here. And then my life is, um, I am a, a dog mom. I have an adult son now. So I'm a mom, mom who might be a grandma, but anyway, they're talking about <laughs> grandkids. But that's uh, to be remains to be seen. At any event, I'm just very active on the United States kettlebell team. I work out, I train, I cross country ski. I live in a cold climate. I snowshoe. I mean, I just I try to live life to its fullest. So that's a little bit about my personal. Um, so that's who I am, kind of in a nutshell. And and really enjoy working with my clients to help them take back their health.
0: Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about what is functional medicine. Let's define that.
1: So functional medicine, it depends on the practitioner that you talk to, but I like to define functional medicine as a holistic approach where we're really seeking out the root cause as to why you're experiencing whatever it is that you're experiencing that led you to functional medicine. And it might not be what you think it is. And some people are versed, they're reading, and there's a lot out there, and they're becoming educated users. But um, functional medicine is where we would look at the neuroendocrine system, which would be the brain and the chemical messenger that the brain sends out to elicit a response in the body. Uh, the gastrointestinal health, which would be our diet, our ability to digest and absorb that diet, and then also inclusive our of our microbiome, which is 70% of our immune system is housed in our gut. And then our detox system, which the same organs that are processing our food are also part of the detox process. So um, with also skin is part of that, but I'm saying internal. So we're looking at those three body systems, neuroendocrine, gastrointestinal health, and detox, and determining where those body systems are imbalanced, and namely why, so that we can bring homeostasis and whole back to the body, and then the body resiliently wants to heal itself. And once we we find the root cause, and we bring that to to its wholeness, and and help facilitate the healing, the body will take over and perform that process.
0: Awesome. It I think it's kind of what you want. To happen when you go to the doctor like you go to your doctor, I'm tired, I've got the skin rash, I feel like I'm losing my hair like something's out of whack I don't feel right and there isn't this solution right It's like well here's a pill you can take or I could you know refer you to I got IBS, whatever they might refer you to a specialist but I feel like this is more of what we're looking for. We're like I want to understand something's out of whack. And I want your help, doctor, to help me understand where I'm out of balance and then get it back into balance. And so I think a lot of times we count on Western medicine to help us do that. And it's just not designed to do it that way because every they look at everything as kind of separate and functional medicine is created in a whole. They
1: look at everything as separate and they treat symptoms. Doctors are treating symptoms and we're treating the root cause. So. If you go to the doctor with per se a headache, they're going to say, just say but that it's chronic, that you're getting migraines, and they're going to give you something that treats a migraine, but they're not asking why is this person getting a migraine? Are they mineral deficient? Are they not are they not detoxing? Are they drinking too much coffee? Are they essential fatty acid deficient? They're not asking why that migraine is ha- happening. They're just saying here's a ill. And and that sometimes is a good thing i mean i use western medicine i can tell you right now if i broke my leg i would be over at the er but if i have something chronically going on i want to know why i have that going on and fatigue of course i mean we're here and we're talking fatigue and i work with a lot of people it's the number one reason why people actually come to see me and it might not be the primary reason but it's always secondary or treachery in the process. So that's why you're on
0: the Supermom is
1: Getting Tired podcast. Yes, and it's also the number one thing that the doctors hear. If you go and look at at the statistics, it's the number one thing doctors hear. So it could be, hey, I have this rash, but I'm also tired. And of course, even the rash, it's like, well, why do you have the rash? Because the doctor is going to give you probably a steroid cream, but the rash keeps coming back and the steroid cream is is not addressing the root cause. And again, we want to unearth that and find out what's causing it.
0: So a lot of times I have clients come to their coaching calls and they, sometimes the first thing they'll say is like, well, I don't know if this is just hormonal, but, and then they'll launch into kind of almost like they have to explain why they're upset about something or why they are feeling overwhelmed, and they want to almost like separate the two things. This is kind of why, I'm like, to me, it's like I don't care if it's a hormonal or not hormonal, there's always room for life coaching, but you know. Whether your hormones are out of whack, you still have thoughts about the hormones being out of whack that could make it better or worse, and so. But there, there t- sometimes there's this, this idea that it's separate. Like, well, it's either hormonal, or it's a psychological, emotional, you know, problem. But tell me how you see those two things intertwining. Like, like how does our brains and our hormones? interact with each other. You were mentioning this like a neuroendocrine system. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like that this is a a system that is not separate. So tell me how you see that showing up for you in your work.
1: I, well, I'm glad you asked that because I see that same thing and and hear that same thing and I like to work in three. So I already talked about the neuroendocrine, gastrointestinal and the detox but then there is something that I call the stress response. And from it, I actually derive the stress response blueprint, and, and it's much of the work that I do. So it comes down to three things that influence our hormones. It is emotional stress, which can be all-encompassing from something that's acute, like the death of a loved one, or something that becomes chronic, like driving to and fro work in rush hour traffic. And of course, we could add in many, many things into emotional stress, but I'm just naming a few there. And then it's dietary stress. So it could be something that we're not digesting and absorbing, or something that is inflammatory to us, or something that's driving our hormones, like too many processed foods. Because our in the hierarchy of things, we often think hormones, sex hormones, but really, we're talking thyroid, cortisol, and insulin are higher than our sex hormones. And then it's, and cortisol is a biggie here when we're talking about these three things. So emotional stress, dietary stress, and then there's pain and hidden inflammation. And the hidden part is oftentimes what people say, well, where would that be? Well, if you have an inflammation, like say you have an autoimmune or you have bursitis, well, anything with itis, you know, you have an inflammatory process going on. But if you have hidden, it could become something chronic that you're not even experiencing symptoms that have manifested in the way in which you would think they would. So where's the hidden? It's usually in your gut. And that can be anything from, again, not digesting and absorbing your food properly. It can be what's called gut dysbiosis, too much bad gut bacteria, not enough good. Which comes from not properly digesting your food and processed foods, because that's what these guys love to eat. It can be a parasite. And people think, well, parasites. Uh, and, and maybe the broad scope of your listeners are American. Well, Americans don't have parasites. Contraire frere. I see <laughs> a lot of people in clinic. And run testing of the gut microbiome, and you'd be surprised at the number of parasites or gut dysbiosis that show up. And it can also be something like, um, again, I'm going to go into the hidden, is good gut bacteria, which would be positive for us, but then in that gut dysbiosis, negative gram gut bacteria, and that's a little sciency, I realize, but that elicits an immune response. And any time we pull on cortisol, which cortisol would be just like we would put hydrocortisone on a rash on our skin to take the inflammation down, well, our adrenal glands put out the stress hormone cortisol, and it's not a bad hormone. It's a good hormone, but in excess, it can become catabolic and tear down, and it can also be prioritized over putting out our sex hormones or other hormones because the body says, hey, all hands on deck, we got to take care of this hidden inflammation that's going on. And and that same cortisol can cross the blood-brain barrier and light up the brain, which is the stress part of the brain, the old part, which is the amygdala. And that is part of our limbic system. And that is also not saying folks here are, but people who get PTSD, Is because that cortisol from a stress situation crossed the blood-brain barrier, lit up the amygdala, and most people who get PTSD, we think military, are guys that are around 18, 19, and it can be women as well. And that at that time, the prefrontal cortex of the brain hasn't developed, and that's who we are, and that's also the brakes, that's the reasoning. So we're in these stress situations, and it really comes down to this cortisol. So I'm just going to name them again: it's emotional stress, dietary stress, and pain, and hidden inflammation.
0: I appreciate that because I've always almost like intuitively understood that they were intertwined, but never had the like science to explain how they're intertwined. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so, but I like that you said like emotional stress because here's what happens to moms: right, you say. You go to your mom's friends and you're like, oh, I'm so tired. And they're like, I know, right? Us too. Like everybody's tired. And they just kind of agree that like, yep, you're a mom. Welcome to motherhood. Here comes the fatigue, you know, and that doesn't seem to go away. Whether you've got a newborn, a five-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 15-year-old, everyone's like, I know, right? It's so exhausting. And so there's a lot of uh, kind of like support. Maintaining fatigue and a lack of support for identifying fatigue as a problem that needs to be addressed, and that it's not our normal, our homeostasis. And so, I think when you ignore the fatigue and over time don't address it, then over time it compounds, it builds, and it turns into pain and hidden inflammation. You know, it exacerbates itself. But what I love that you said was that because we tend to think like well emotional stress or like a trauma to the body like oh yeah that you get war and like PTSD like for sure if i just got back from battle then i might go seek help for PTSD but i'm just a mom in the trenches everybody else is tired too like my stress isn't different than everybody else's and so that's why i like that you gave the examples you gave of like having a commute every day in traffic, like just being in living in a house that's constantly messy. You know, our vision is our number one sensory thing we're dependent on. So when you, everywhere you look, it's messy or cluttered there. That's a stress on the body. 100%. And it's, yeah. And, and then with raising kids, there's constant change. Like I mean, it's just exhausting. As soon as you think you can count on some predictability, the kids go and change and they grow up. You're like, oh my God, what now? And you're you're constantly having to adapt to, oh, now it's the school year. Now we have to do this commute. Now it's baseball season or (laughs) basketball season. And we got to make our lunches. Oh, but Friday's pizza day. So we don't make a lot. Like there's just constantly adaptations that are a stress on the body that keep the cortisol pumping, that have an effect on our biology, I guess.
1: Well, kind of what it is. Absolutely. And if I could just lend into that just a little bit. So there's something called the hypothalamus pituitary axis, and that is the maestro running the endocrine system. And so it knows that cortisol is catabolic. So that means that it would tear things down. It would become like if you put cortisol on your skin too often, they'll tell you that'll thin your skin. So, of course, the brain says emotional dietary pain hidden information. You have this going on daily, too often, too frequently. And I am in a stress situation. And so the brain is smart and knows to dampen that signal. That cortisol is the same hormone that influences our circadian rhythm and it follows the sun. And so it should be highest in the morning and lowest in the night. And the reciprocal hormone is melatonin, lowest in the morning, highest, unless we're watching TV with a lot of blue light and all these things, which is another stressor that affects the circadian rhythm. And so when we have this constant bombardment of stress, and again, all the things that you just cited, And I'm thinking of the tired mom that is also looking, saying, and the house is a mess and this is all my responsibility and feels maybe like I'm not doing my job or I'm not doing the right job or a good job. And that's another emotional stress and I should be better. And then this brings in also people, I mean, I don't want to go down into the weeds with this, but also weight gain because your adrenals play a big role in this cortisol response in putting on weight. And so, of course, then it's like, I'm supposed to be perfect. I'm overweight, or maybe I'm carrying a few extra pounds from baby. I can't lose this or I've never lost it. And I'm just always exhausted. I know I should eat better and work out. And the brain looks and says, hey, blows the whistle and says, dampen that cortisol response, which in turn dampens the circadian rhythm because we have cortisol, like I said, highest in the morning. It's why we want to get out of bed in the morning and so when i start asking people questions about when do they have the most energy morning or night and most often then if we run a test we can see that that cortisol is not following the right pattern but i can give you all of the different natural supplements which is what i work with to fix that and people probably have heard of that they think it's called adrenal fatigue it's actually called hypothalamus pituitary adrenal dysregulation nonetheless people think, well, I can take different supplements to fix it. And maybe they found a website that says that. But if you don't remove the reasons why you became stressed in the first place, emotional, dietary, pain, and inflammation, I can give you all the pills, but I need to get to that root cause. See, that's that's the real thing is we need to figure and unearth that. And that is, the emotional is the biggest component. Right.
0: I mean, just like you're saying, like just you could take something as simple as having a lot of clutter in your house And then mama could take that to mean like, I'm failing. I'm not doing a good job. Nobody's helping me. I have to do, I'm on my own. You know, I'm feeling unsupported. Like all, we could just exacerbate it, catastrophize it inside our own brain. And so when when you can quiet that voice, and just let clutter be clutter, and not make it mean anything about you, except for you live a full life that <laughs> uh, with a you know lot going on. And this is temporary. Well, we
1: tell ourselves stories. We tell ourselves totally, stories. Totally.
0: Yeah, I remember when um, you know my son had whatever the fancy term is for adrenal fatigue at age eleven. And he, they did a saliva test. And it was totally like what you're saying. It was the opposite. So his cortisol was going up at night, which prevented him from going to sleep. Right. And then it would finally drop around 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. when it was time to go to school. And so he would sleep in the morning. Like, he was just totally
1: out of whack. Yeah, he was flipped upside down, which happens with night workers as well.
0: Oh, I bet. And in fact, he was just, he was just uh, applying for jobs and he was considering applying for a graveyard shift. And both his dad and I were like, no, we can't come back.
1: Like, well, and also so there's a whole host time. of other things, which I won't go into, but that, you know, that is tied to it. And there's a lot of cancers, just high level that graveyards shift people it are, are, Higher incidence too.
0: yeah, he's just has a sensitive nervous system, so he just cannot, he, you know, mess with. It. He can't get brain injuries or things that scales tip. Right, it requires a lot for him to kind of maintain homeostasis. Is kind of what you're talking about, right? Right. Just like just regaining balance and recognizing that all sorts of things can throw us out of balance. So, what are some of the main signs? that you see like, a mom would benefit from functional medicine, not just life coaching, like, you know, for just working on just the brain and reducing the stress and increasing energy, but like, when would, let's say a client of mine, when would I refer them to you and say, I think there's some, you know, dietary inflammation, other stuff going
1: on. Um, Oftentimes it's the things we don't talk about, but, um, one is menstrual, menstrual um, symptoms that people think, well, that's what every woman has them, just like every woman has uh, fatigue. <laughs> every woman has menstrual, PMS, bloating, constipation, gas around her menstrual cycle, or she gets hangry, hungry, angry, um, if she doesn't eat, or shaky, or irritable, or, you know, the different things, headaches with menstrual cycles, and those are, and and I'm probably missing several, but People are thinking, well, I have this different one here, but nonetheless, menstrual symptoms around our menstrual cycle, which we kind of lump and glom together as PMS, those are common, but they're not normal.
0: Okay. What about migraines with PMS?
1: Migraines with PMS would be an estrogen. Your estrogen is, and oftentimes people will get like this headache for several days. And that usually means that uh, I would have to do a little different test and look at the hormones over. It could be a daily or over a month, but migraines with pMS is an estrogen problem. So okay. you know this lends in the whole thing because every ounce of progesterone in the body comes from cortisol. and And if we are saying, our body, our big brain is saying, Hey, all hands on deck to manage this stress, it puts cortisol there, and therefore we're not making progesterone, and then we become estrogen dominant. And that's the symptoms, tender breasts, sw- you know, swollen, tender breasts. That's not inability to detox, but that's also an estrogen dominance. So the cortisol, again, is what, what caused it in the first place. And that still comes down to these stressors. So those are a few of the things. Then also things like GI, gastrointestinal issues. It might be bloating, gas, um, diarrhea, alternating constipation, um, things of that nature. Um, Again, I already, we know fatigue is a big one. People come to me, I'm just so tired. Autoimmune, I see a lot of autoimmune people that know they have uh, obviously inflammation, but they want to silence or put their autoimmune in remission. And that is, you can't heal an autoimmune, you can't get rid of it, but you can put it into remission so it stops attacking. And a a big one is Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which probably 90% of people with, with thyroiditis that are taking Synthroid actually have an autoimmune of their thyroid called Hashimoto's. They might not have ever been diagnosed, but that's because there's not a cure for it. So they don't bother to diagnose. They just keep upping your thyroid then. Um, those are big ones. So inability to lose weight or keep, or gain weight um, is also a, a biggie that I see for people. And again, it's just balancing those body systems.
0: Okay. And so then you would like kind of do some diagnosis, some testing. How do you get to the is there like is there one root cause that you usually get to and you're like, aha, this is it? Or is it like many?
1: No, it's many. Okay. So it could be um, I mean, it's many. It could be a nutritional deficiency. It could be that they are on a pharmaceutical grade drug that is actually what I call drug mugging. So it's stealing your nutrition you need. It could be the inability to digest and absorb. It could be the inappropriate diet, but I could have you on the, and I don't cookie cutter diets. Everybody's a bio individual, but you could be on the most perfect unadulterated diet being grown in a bubble and brought to you by farmer Bob's wife every day. But if you're not digesting and absorbing that food, then it's becoming toxic and fats rancidify proteins. Um, putrefy and carbohydrates ferment. And so now that's an onslaught of toxins and we're not able therefore to use that food to be building blocks for what we need. But it's really, it's multifaceted. It's not everybody doesn't have a parasite, but everybody doesn't have, you know. um, I would say many people have a magnesium deficiency, but everybody doesn't have a vitamin D deficiency, but almost everybody who walks in the office is taking it. So it's like, well, okay, why are we taking vitamin D? Well, of course, some of that's what we just came through with the virus, but um, it might not be warranted long-term. So again, I look at all of that and how I start to look at it is I have people fill out an extensive amount of paperwork and written and keep a six-day food journal for me that includes food and feeling around the food and then also answer a 321 multiple choice questionnaire on their symptoms and the severity of those symptoms. And then I actually do look at all that data and put it together <sighs> and then determine where I think the body system is imbalanced and what one, and then if we need further testing to be able to roll up to it. So it's an art and a science, and it takes me many hours for every person and. Um, I have a very high success rate. I think one is because by the time people get to me, they really want this. And then number two, um, I spend the time with the person I really delve into to look at 321 multiple choice questions takes a considerable amount of time and I do it. And then I plot that out to show people with what's called a symptom burden graph. So the symptom that person has is placing a burden on a body system. And then I plot that out. And then over time, I can have them continuously retake that 321 multiple choice so they can see how things are moving. And if I I don't have a picture here, but I when people talk to me or I, I also have a course, you know, I, I show them so that, and each person gets this many times when they're working with me, so they can also see, not just that they feel it, and yes, it's subjective, but not just that they feel it, but they can see visually how things are changing with all of these different body systems
0: yeah um, i really like that because like i can read an article about like take vitamin d or most women are deficient in b6 whatever um and i like i'll take a vitamin for a month and i don't notice any difference and mm-hmm. so i'm like and eh, i really need this like do I, so whatever so i i like to see the data where um, you can see like sure. you know whether it's a whatever kind of testing but you can see some sort of visual tracking and improvement because then you're like it keeps you motivated
1: 100% and that's what what the symptom burden graph why it was designed so that people can actually see and it takes those three neuroendocrine detox gastrointestinal and it breaks them down into actually further more granular 16 different areas that roll up but nothing so- is compartmentalized Everything overlaps because if somebody again comes to me and says, "I have a hormone problem, female hormone female hormones never go out of balance on their own, never. So where is it coming from? What's it stemming from? It's either coming from your diet, blood sugar handling, or your gut. and it's, and you
0: have a freebie for our listeners too. you, you want to do you want to tell them about your it was a free guide?
1: Yes, I have take a quick guide the uh, a quick guide to taking back your energy. So you can download that guide. Um, and shortly here, it's going to turn. So you might end up coming to my website if you come a little late. It might be, not be there as itself because I'm in the process of creating a master class for people as well. That's also free. And then we will use the guide. So I go into what I've talked about here in more detail for that master class. And then they get the guide with the masterclass and I help them work through that to determine themselves where their body systems are imbalanced and then take action that they can start doing at home. Um, It's, of course, not as in-depth if you're working with me either one-on-one or in a course with me because I do have the course, but this masterclass is free and it includes that quick guide. And right now on the website, the quick guide is a standalone. you can download it. You can answer. It has a quiz. You can then tally up your score and see where your body system is imbalanced. The quick guide explains how to do that. And then what action steps to take for each one of those imbalances so that you can start taking back your energy.
0: And this I will put a link in the show notes. And her website is Heidi Toy Functional So that's where you can find this stuff. So If somebody does everything perfectly, takes the supplements that you suggest, uh, switches their diet in the direction you suggest, what's the typical amount of time before they feel like they're back in balance, back in homeostasis?
1: Okay. So first it would depend on how out of homeostasis they were. Right.
0: That makes sense. Yeah.
1: So generally we say for every year that you felt poorly, it could take a month. I've seen oh, it happen okay. fast. You're right. I've seen it happen faster. Um, again, we're talking how how out of balance the person is.
0: Yeah, that's um, a good incentive for people who've been feeling crappy for a long time.
1: And and say, the longer
0: say, you feel crappy, the longer it'll take to feel better. Yes, and it's
1: going to take longer, and it's going to take perseverance as well. I mean, of course, this is it does mean that you have to be a change agent and and take and change the things in your life that. Are causing this, and like I have in the master class, I give several examples of. Um, and again, that master class is free. It's it's actually not uploaded yet, but it's coming. I would say in the next week here. But nonetheless, um, I give several examples that you can see this symptom burden graph that I'm speaking to, and these are real people. But I've seen uh, close to 1,700 people in clinic, and if they follow what they're supposed to do. We see a real, like if they're off the chart on this symptom burden graph, like really, you know, very high numbers. We see in as little as six to eight weeks that they come down into low to moderate priority as far as their, what I'm talking about is their values on this questionnaire. But that is directly linked to how they feel because it's their symptoms. Are they out of the woods? No, but they're feeling way better. Yeah. Go ahead. What
0: are some of the biggest sticking points that you see get in people's way from healing and,
1: and re- get returning to a balanced homeostasis? Um, one of the big things is it's going to be too expensive because, of course, we're going to ask you to change a diet, and um, and that's also a big one. I mean, I'm going to have to cook. I'm already tired. I don't I don't have time to cook. Other is that it'll be fine, and that they will prioritize everybody else before themselves, which I always say to these people that you have, just like when you're flying in the airplane and the, they tell you if there's an emergency and the mask drops down, that you have to put your own mask on first. You have to help yourself so you can help your family. Right. And then um, again, it's that it's going to create more work and, and there's, there's, I wouldn't say there's ways around it is, but we're going to, there's definitely things that we help, I help the moms and dads with when they think it's going to be more work, like suggestions. One of them is learning to batch prep food, for example, because a biggie here is food, of course. And then I'll have to give something up like wine, sugar, caffeine. Those are big ones. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, I often hear from some people, well, I'm social. And I like to drink when I'm social. And it's like, yes, but while you heal, I'm not saying you can never, ever have a glass of wine, but while you're healing, you can still be social, which means you're talking without drinking. And that's not always what we want to hear. But if it means that you really want this and you want your health back and your fatigue to be gone, then for a time you might be giving something up. And then we'll learn how to incorporate it in a healthy, balanced way. And you'll know what that means for you individually. And then also um, we have other people that sabotage our efforts. um, Moms, dads, friends, uh, kids, for whatever reason, they don't want to see the person making it and implementing those changes.
0: Yeah, I think it comes down to like change is scary. But but according to our primitive brain, right? If you're in your primitive brain, then you view... uh, change is scary. It's like, I don't know what that's all about. And so we look for excuses, right? Prioritizing yourself feels scary when you've been taking care of everybody else and putting their Mm -hmm. needs before yours. You know, we're, it's easy for us to prioritize our kids to spend money on our kids to make time if our kid wants some like fancy sports camp we're like oh sure honey I'll drive you there every week I'll pay for it but when it comes to ourselves it's like "Ooh, me that there's just a discomfort with that and so I always like Einstein's quote he says you cannot solve a problem from the same mind that created it you have this problem, you know, your, your body is calling out to you, it's asking for attention and that old brain can't make it happen because the old brain's going to say, oh, but I don't have time and it's too much work and the kids won't like it if I start making healthy meals and we don't get fast food and, and that old brain is the one that created the problem. So in order to fix the problem, you've got to change your brain first. And that comes with thinking in a different way. I think if you take the old brain into any, whether it's life coaching or functional medicine, and you sign up for a program from your old thinking, I think it's, that's why we, that's why permanent change doesn't happen, right? Those habits are so well ingrained, but if you can change the way you're thinking and say, wait a second here. Having a healthy mom is the best gift I can give to my family. Right? Don't my kids deserve to have a mom who feels her best, who's healthy and thriving? How can I role model for my children what self-care looks like? You know, and, and so really flipping the script that we're telling ourselves about it can change your brain to make self-care a a priority for you of saying like, this is the gift. Like, I always like to think, do you know, Heidi, do you know anyone who has a mom who doesn't take good care of themselves, whether that's physical, maybe mentally, emotionally, they don't take good care of themselves. Maybe financially, they haven't taken good care of themselves. Do you know anyone who has a mom like that?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs)
0: do you see what a burden it is doesn't even matter how old the mom is do you see what a burden that is on the child Mm -hmm. it is a huge weight on that kid whether their kid is 8 or 80 to have the burden of a mother who doesn't take care of herself Mm -hmm. so I think when we're looking at We're recognizing, okay, my body's out of whack. It's calling out for help. It needs some TLC, some time, some love, some attention, some care, some nurturing. It needs help, support, physical, emotional support. That prioritizing that, making time for it is like the best thing you can do for your family and then you take the burden off your kids' shoulders, off your partner's shoulders so that they get to go out into the world and be freer, lighter and like really enjoy life because they're not carrying the burden of mom, you know, and and having that weight on their shoulders. So prioritizing the changing of your mind is going to help you prioritizing the changing of your body 100% Well, any words of wisdom you'd like to pass on to a audience of tired super moms who are burned out, who maybe they just need a nap. Maybe they need a whole physical workup. Maybe they're having symptoms that need addressing, or maybe they just, they're not sure if they just uh, need to take a break from the kids. What would advice or wisdom would you, do you have to share with them?
1: Number one, I would say, well, I don't know if these are one chronological order and weighted, but number one, I'm going to say hydrate. Chronically fatigued goes hand in hand with chronically dehydrated. And if you
0: drink my uh, water right now,
1: (laughs) yes, so (laughs) if you're not hydrating, and a good rule of thumb is you should be drinking half of your body weight in ounces of water. So if you weighed 150 pounds, you're going to be drinking 75 ounces of water. If you said, holy buckets, I can't do that, then start where you are. If you're drinking, assess where you're at right now, take a few days, really assess it and say, well, I guess I'm drinking 32 ounces. And then every day, add to that. It goes 32, then add four, 36, do that for several days, then four more, now we're at 40. And once you move the dial up, stick the stake in the ground and stay there and accomplish that. And then do that by buying a flask of some sort that it's measured out. Just like we said, we're data ladies. We want to measure things out. We can see what we're doing versus, versus guessing. So get a good. I saw
0: a a woman at the, um, she was the front desk gal at the physical therapist's office. And she had almost like a mini, um, you know, those water dispensers like that you put on there, like it's like uh, those big heavy water dispensers. So it was like a little mini version of it. And on it, it had written, she must have bought it somewhere. It was like, you're almost there. You can do it. Like I'm drinking water. So like the lower she got, she's like, you're almost done. Like it like cheering you on as you drank the water. I thought that was really cute.
1: Yeah, that is awesome. So that's one. And then I would also say that be mindful of the amount of processed food you're eating. Define that real quickly for me. Well, okay. I could get very, very strict on processed food because I think that anything that you can't eat in its raw state, and I, I don't eat raw, I eat cooked food, but anything that you can't eat in its raw state. So yes, I would say potatoes are admissible, but technically you couldn't eat that raw where you couldn't eat a sweet potato. Okay. So I could get really granular on that, but I won't.
0: When yeah, I say a big processed,
1: picture. I'm saying like anything, really things that come packaged and crinkled. So if it is um, highly processed, refined grains, those are, those really are going to elicit a blood sugar response and that is going to fatigue you. That is- So like
0: what? Like what's a highly, like, give me some like top pop-tarts. things people eat that are, okay. Pro, pop-tarts, pop-tarts are processed. Part. I'm um, thinking of my daughter eats like ve- frozen vegan corn dogs.
1: Which yes, like highly processed. <laughs> like that's not good. right. So, so any kind of frozen food. Who, I meet vegans who eat less vegetables than I eat, and I would consider myself a vegan. So I eat meat and vegetables, but um, and I don't eat anything. I don't eat any grains personally. That's because of I have autoimmune,s and that's a whole nother story. Oh, okay. But The packaged foods and like frozen foods, foods. frozen foods, high sugar foods, I say if it's if there's sugar or some form of sugar in the first five ingredients, and I'm not trying to vilify carbs, carbohydrates are not the villain. We need we need carbohydrates, fat and protein, but we our body doesn't know how to process and so I could get a little sciencey here, but I'm going to just slightly We have at our cellular level, what's called the mitochondria and the mitochondria's job is to make energy and that's called ATP and it processes sugar. But if we bring in sugar, simple table sugar, for example, or carbs that turn quickly into sugar in the blood, they come without their own set of nutrients to turn that engine, which are B vitamins and not just B12, but all kinds of B vitamins and minerals. So table sugar, for example, comes, sands those same vitamins and minerals it needs to make that energy where like honey or maple syrup, pure maple syrup comes with it. So if we eat a bunch of sugar or processed foods, our body needs to use that glucose to make ATP and it will steal those nutrients from other places. The same cofactors, vitamins and minerals that are turning the engine to make ATP, and every cell in your body is doing this, are the same cofactors that we need to make the endocrine and neuroendocrine system. So when we make serotonin, we need B vitamins and amino acids. That's the same thing that's turning this engine. So there again, if somebody came to me and we said, oh, I'm I'm suffering from severe depression, It's not necessarily that they need a depression drug. They may need the cofactors and the building blocks to make serotonin. And it might be because they're eating too much processed foods and they're one, not bringing those, they're just all one. They're not bringing those, those nutrients in. And then number two, their cell needs to steal it from someplace to make it. Right. So this goes hand in hand. So I would say processed foods really like minimize them. And if you said, well, what really do, what should I eat then? Strive for 50% of your plate coming from vegetables. And if you don't eat meat, then vegetables contain protein. And if you do eat meat, then a palm size of protein. And you can even eat one to three palm sizes if you're more hungry. And then a couple thumbs of healthy fat. And that is what we could look at our meals and our snacks. And if you say, well, that's too much for a snack, then cut it in half or thirds. But meat, fat, vegetables are really, or protein, fat, vegetables. I don't want to just say meat because I I definitely think you can get good quality protein outside of meat. Um, And then I would also say prioritize sleep. And prioritizing sleep would be more than just sleeping and napping a lot. It would be good sleep hygiene. Get your room dark, cool. Relaxation. Turn your cell phone off. Get your cell phone in either silent or sleep mode. Turn your Wi-Fi off, which is a whole nother talk on non-native EMF, which I talk about that in detail in my Energy Rx program. I have a whole module on all of this. Um, But getting yourself into a good sleep hygiene and prioritizing your sleep, having a ritual, getting away from the TV and cell phone and blue screens, because the blue screen makes our brain believe that we are in daylight. And so it heightens cortisol and dampens melatonin. And that is exactly the reciprocal of what we need to be happening in the evening, which, like you said, was happening with your son. And so then his cortisol started rising at the wrong time or lowering at the wrong time and rising at the wrong time. So he was up all night and sleeping or wanted to sleep all day. And even people think, well, I don't have that. Well, you wouldn't know unless we tested. But I can usually pinpoint based on people's symptoms what that. Cortisol. They, you take four cortisol saliva's. That dineural cortisol is going to be based on what they tell me when their energy wax and wanes. But nonetheless, getting your body regulated with sleep helps to reset that circadian clock. So prioritize it for yourself and your children. Yeah. Well,
0: thank you so much, Heidi. <laughs> this is excellent information for all my tired super moms out there. So I just want everybody to know that if you are feeling tired and it doesn't feel like it's just normal, that can be remedied by a good night's sleep in one night, and you feel like that your body's a little out of sync, a little out of whack, that there is options for you. You just can't go to your regular Western medicine doctor, but you want to find a functional medicine doctor who can look at the big picture and figure out the root cause and help you regain balance. It's totally doable, but it does require us to think in a new way and reduce our stress. So there's positive side effects of going to functional medicine doctor is that you're, you might feel better. And so, <laughs> so tell your brain that's okay because that's a good change So that we want to feel better. We deserve it. Our families deserve it. Our kids, even though they might protest you cooking healthy foods in the long run, they're going to be grateful that you set that bar for them and showed them what healthy eating looks like. So lots of good reasons to get the help that you deserve and to make sure that you are feeling your best. So Heidi, thank you so much for being here with us today.
1: You're welcome. Thank you for
0: having me. It was great. Yeah. And again, you can go to Heidi Toy Functional Medicine to learn more and uh, and get her freebies that she's got on her website available to you. Thanks so much, everyone. Want a free life coaching session? Go to lifecoachingforparents.com and schedule yours today. And thank you so much for listening. I would love it if you would subscribe and share these podcasts with your friends.